She is walking through a familiar patch of woods. Its late autumn leaves cover the ground, but she spots it. Plain looking and leather bound. Not a book, but a journal. Well loved, but forgotten. She picks it up and feels something. She doesn't know what, but it feels like it's singing. What an odd thing to say, she thinks, that the book feels like it's singing. The pages are thick, too thick for the spine, like there are extra items tucked in between them. When she opens it, it's obvious it's not a journal at all, but a grimoire, reminiscent of her grandmother's. She tucks it safely in her bag to give it a new home on a warm bookshelf next to other tomes she knows will get along. And before she turns for her little cottage, she places her palm upon the bark of a mother tree and thanks the tree spirits for trusting her and promises them she will love it well. But who is this girl? Well, she is you, dear reader. And that is my book. Welcome to the Grimoire Odyssey. My name is Vanessa, but you can call me Ness. I am so glad that you have stumbled upon my podcast. Journaling has become an important activity in my life, especially when it comes to the craft. And this podcast contains excerpts from within my personal grimoire. It's chock full of witchcraft and musings, but from the perspective of just one solitary, contemplative, skeptical witch. So take everything you read with a grain of salt. And please, be kind. Before we get into it, let me ask you a question. What would you do if you randomly found a journal? Would you try to return it to its owner? Would you be tempted to read it without permission? That probably doesn't feel right. But you have stumbled upon mine, a journal that contains secrets, thoughts, experiences, and personal details of my magical journey so far. But you can rest assured because I give you permission to read it. It's a journey of a young modern witch learning her magic. I also tried to make this an immersive experience, one that I hope you feel you can explore and get lost in, a world in which grimoires are lost and found. I'd love to connect, so do reach out with commentary or to share your own experiences, as I would love to hear them. You can find me on most social media platforms or email me directly at thegrimoireodyssey at gmail.com. And I'll meet you there. Now that you've returned home, you get cozy in your favorite spot next to your hearth with my book in your lap. And you begin. Page one. Before greater understanding, everything was seen as magic. Coincidence, luck, illness, misfortune, the setting and the rising of the sun, the sun itself, 
No matter where in the world or when in time I look, I see tales of magic, mythos, and folklore, and many ghost stories. It's lovely, really, to think about how connected we are through these stories, stories born by imagination, the ones that seek to answer all of our never-ending questions about death, love, and why the hell we're even here. Stories about things unknown, the things we can only guess. There are those who see magic as just that, tales, and ghosts as just stories. They see the world in black and white, fact and fiction. Sometimes, people fear the gray, and they take the magic for granted. But there have always been, and will always be, those who dare to see magic as it is, mixed up in everything. Those who exist betwixt the worlds explained and unexplained, above and below, heaven and hell. These people live by a strong moral compass that is entirely their own. They know what they want, and they're not afraid to dirty their hands to get it. They question dogma, seek truths, reflect on life. They see power in a sunset. I call those people witches. Admittedly, my definition is a bit vague, but that feels right, because no two of us are the same. We are as varied in our beliefs and practices as we are varied in our faces. That is why it might be hard to spot us in the wild. Witches are like shapeshifters blending into their surroundings, cloaked in the mundane, never letting on what she's been through or what she might know or what she does in her free time. And she might not be a she at all. Anyone who practices can call themselves a witch, but they don't have to. I have identified as one for many years, but to this day, I have told only one person about this side of me. It's a part of myself I feel fearful to share, and I'm not alone. Many of us keep this side pretty close to the chest. We're misunderstood. I'm sure you've heard the tales. But the truth is we are not old hags with bent noses and bony fingers who boil male members or suck the lives out of children of Salem before sunrise. We are not some horror so cruel and evil that it seeps out of our skin making us look grotesque. Thank you, Hollywood. But none of this is true. And as I sit here with this grimoire in hand, I wish to write a new tale, one that I hope is more accurate to us modern-day witches. We can be petty, vengeful, ruthless, but also just, loyal, and ambitious. Maybe that's what they fear about us the most. Our ambition. There are only two things I can say with certainty that every witch has in common. They are perceptive eyes and curious hands. Inside, we are all flawed, full of promise, regrets, and broken bits. So really, we're just like the rest. There are a few things, though, that witches might naturally gravitate to. Like a connection to nature, animals, elements. We might be sensitive, feeling things like spirits or energies. We pay attention to things others sometimes overlook, like dreams, omens, messages, patterns, and synchronicities. We can be intuitive, maybe even prophetic. We have the ability to divine answers through a deck of cards, or the future from the stars. We historically have rebelled against the status quo. Our sense of morality and justice is after all our own, informed by our own individual life experiences. 
each of us willing to shift and grow with every misstep, mistake, and lesson learned. We don't fear the shadows. In my experience, if something went bump in the night, I knew I was not powerless against it. Friend or foe, I could spot the difference. Protecting my home and my own is my favorite way to use magic. But if something bested me, slithered past my wards, I hope it sensed I was not the one, that my tenacious nature would eventually best it. Same goes for the shadows within, by the way. A large part of being a witch for me is having the courage to look at my own shadows, knowing I'm capable of changing them. A witch doesn't usually shy away from the uncomfortable. A challenge, betrayal, crossroads, tragedy, illness, and death. These are all times a witch gets to work. A lot of us believe in something bigger than ourselves, like a lot of people do. But we witches believe we are a part of it, can work with it, whatever it is. Maybe it's the strings of fate. Maybe it's God. Maybe we hack the simulation. Maybe it's just psychology. It depends on who you ask. But in the end, whatever magic we believe in connects us to one another and to everything. In the end, what we modern witches practice is simply a form of appreciation and participation in this thing called life. In the end, what we witches are is human. And we never forget the power in that. Pulling on strings and weaving our webs and leaving our mark while we can. But I ask you, how important is it that we leave our mark on the world? To me, it's paramount. Part of witchcraft is deepening our connection to the world, to know it better. But no matter how well we do or do not know the earth, I feel she always knows you. We are very much a part of each other, and eventually we become earth ourselves forever. When I was an undergrad, I had a professor who would write a daily quote on the whiteboard. It wasn't to discuss in class, in fact the quotes had nothing to do with the subject at all, it was just for fun. But Professor Larson was good at picking quotes. Sometimes before class, little groups around the room would start talking about the thoughts behind the words, and chirps of agreement or disagreement would be scattered among the students. I remember the look on his face as he would sit back and listen on the days that this would happen. One of those quotes I still think about today. It was a quote from Howard Thurman, and it said, Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So leave your mark and practice what makes you come alive. For me, the craft is one of those things. I've always loved the moon. Even as a little girl, I would feel a sense of coming alive at night. On long car rides home, I would stare up when it was full and carry on conversations with it. The conversations had no words, just feelings, but I still felt like it answered me. I know that some people definitely prefer the sun over the moon, and as much as I love its warmth on my skin and all the vitamin D, laying out in the chill and staring up at the night sky has always felt like coming home to me. Being awake when the whole world is sleeping feels just wrong enough to be right. Also, when I was little, 
I used to sing to make it rain. And very fitting for a cancer, I have a deeply nurturing instinct for plants and animals. I always felt we understood each other's language. Tending them and training them comes easy to me. And of course, I love the aesthetics of witchcraft. Bottles and candles, oils and balms, tinctures and teas. These are all my go-to decor pieces. But by far, my greatest influence of magic came from my grandfather. Our long talks about life and living kindled a magical fire in my belly. He shared with me his love of poetry and philosophy. His literary knowledge went so deep, and his life experiences were honestly fit for fiction. His generosity was selfless, and not just to me, but everyone he loved, and he loved more than most. But his most magical quality was his ability to heal. He was a mundane doctor, but I saw him as the village healer. I watched him take away people's pain, remove inflammation around an injury, increase mobility, and he eased my headaches more times than I can count. My mother is a professional astrologer and tarot reader and instilled a love for divination in me. As you can probably tell, a large part of my craft is informed with the power of study, thoughts, and words. A lot of witchcraft I actually do, I first philosophize to death. I haven't decided if this is something I want to change or not. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I really began the craft. I was going through some shit. And like with most people, that's when you start analyzing for deeper meanings and seeking peace or control. In my darkest moments, the practice of magic brought me back to myself. It taught me more of who I am and at the same time helped me change. Adding that dash of magic into my life made me see things differently. I now look at a key, a rock, or a hummingbird, and I see more than I used to. I have grown to see the importance of things so different from me, the purpose of a large predator and the smallest insect. I now appreciate things for what they are and not what I want them to be. I use magic to help hone my focus, look deep into the parts of myself that I don't like, and guide me to who I am meant to be. Magic is a lens I use to look out at the world, and witchcraft is a tool I use to analyze myself more objectively. It has humbled me, gave me confidence to go after what I want, and taught me about the chaos. I have practiced alone for many years. I have brewed up magic at my kitchen stove, poured love potions over my tomato garden, and charmed amulets to protect myself and my loved ones. I have used witchcraft to right wrongs and put the power back in my hands when someone tried to take it from me. I have learned how to be responsible for my actions. I have talked to the dead and felt comforted that maybe lost loved ones aren't as gone as they seem sometimes. I have walked, swam, and run terrified through dreams. Dreams that sometimes came true. It's been a journey so far. One I have walked alone. And sometimes I ask, is it that we must always walk alone? While there is solace in solitude, I still wonder if we are all doomed to love what we love on our own. When the midnight oil and the mugwort is burning, 
and I feel the sting of lonesomeness. Is there no one out there who feels the same and would like to draw a card or two? On that note, there is one more spell I feel I must confess to you, dear reader. It is one I cast upon this grimoire you are currently reading. In time, perhaps my full intent as to what the spell is will become known to you, and why the tree spirits, who I entrusted to make this decision, chose you to find it. If you choose to continue reading, I will reveal some of the thoughts, experiences, and consequences that have impacted me the most on my solo journey. If you decide to keep reading, then I think it's time we start on a new journey together. You close the journal, thinking all about the kind of witch you are and what has transpired on the road that led you to your magic. And as you look out the window, now dark, you watch the moon peek through the trees and snow fall gently from the branches. And you know your decision. You decide to take the journey. <laughs>